0: Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Thank you, Lord. God, we want thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, God, for this chance to come together and And focus on what your word says to us. Lord, help us to hear what your spirit is saying to us today, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We're going to watch a little video that the guys have got there. And you may watch this video and think, uh, Andrew, why are we watching this video? But hopefully, all will become clear as we go through. So we've got the sound ready. Let's have a look at that video now. so too then it's time to join the club join all of us who have said no to sports gambling sponsorship help kids like me love the game not the odds there you go you're probably thinking andrew rich church why are you watching an anti-sports gambling ad? i read a statistic this week that said one in seven kids in secondary school are addicted to gambling one in seven kids that have got apps on their phone that they are just constantly addicted to betting on sport or whatever else it might be. I thought, my goodness. And it hasn't changed my message, but I thought, actually, I'm going to just put that in at the start because it kind of leads into where we're going. But I wonder, do you know what the Bible says about gambling, about betting? I just want to have a look at a couple of verses really quickly. Proverbs 13, verse 11. It says this, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. And I think if you look at statistics, people who win the lottery, a few years later, what's happened? They're worse off than before, so often. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Sometimes it's a very, very long time, isn't it? <laughs> Another verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says, "'People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction.'" For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the truth, faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. One more verse in Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You know, the Bible doesn't say anywhere, do not go to the pokies. Doesn't say it. Doesn't say, do not download that sports betting app. Doesn't say it. You won't find it. In fact, you won't even find the, the phrase in the Bible, do not gamble, unless it was a translation that I haven't seen. But the whole of Scripture teaches us to put our trust in God, to put our trust in Him. You know, the Bible doesn't, doesn't define how far uh, our, our greed has to go before it becomes gluttony. It doesn't, go, it doesn't tell us how far you can go before it becomes a gambling addiction. But we are called and told to put our trust in Him. Now, I've never been a, a, a gambling person. I, I might have bought a few raffle tickets because I wanted to support the kinder or uh, doing different things like that. And I, I don't have a problem with helping raise some funds for a school or, or, or doing something like that. I don't see it as a legalistic thing. And if you a person who has gambled, I'm, I'm not saying this to condemn you, but I want to say this morning that betting, gambling is putting hope in chance. And we do not have to put hope in chance. This morning we're starting a new series. Actually, we sort of had a a, a head start last week. Uh, We're starting a new series, but the title of my message this morning, the title of this series is Jesus is the One Sure Thing. Jesus is the One Sure Thing. We don't have to put our hope in chance. We can trust in the God who saves. We can trust in him, the one who lives, the one who is sovereign over all, the one who created all things and all of creation belongs to him. Jesus is the one sure thing and he will not be shaken. We're going to be talking about the faithfulness of God and this morning, and oh, sorry, as, as we go forward from today, every time you see one of those betting app ads, which apparently kids are seeing up to two hours a week of those betting ads, every time you see one of those ads on TV, I hope you're reminded Jesus is the one sure thing. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. Last week, we were looking at Elijah in 1 Kings 18, um, reading about Elijah. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue on from where we're up to in 1 Kings as we see that Elijah had had been told to go and... Well, Elijah had done some amazing things. God had used him in amazing ways. He'd gone through that time where he just wanted to lie down under the tree and die. And then God refreshes him. He, he sleeps, he eats, he sleeps, he eats. And then God speaks to him in the whisper after the storms and all the, the noise. God speaks to him and he says, go and, uh, go and speak to Elisha. And we read in verse 19 of 1 Kings 19 it says so Elijah went and found Elisha if I get my ja and sha confused today you'll be on the same page if you try I'm sure too so Elijah went and found Elisha son of Shaphat plowing a field there were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. The first thing we need to understand about this passage was that throwing your your cloak over someone wasn't just a random thing that Elijah did. To to place your cloak, or actually if you read other translations, it it uses the word mantle. It was a, a significant thing. It was an understood practice to go and throw your mantle over someone's shoulder. It was to say, come follow me, come be my disciple, come learn to do what I do. And this was a a thing that Elisha understood. And when Elijah comes and throws his cloak on him, he's not just feeling like a human clothes hook. He's not just like, what's that all about? What are you doing? He's going, wow, that was Elijah. He just threw his cloak over me. He wants me to come follow him and, and do what he does. Elisha is given an opportunity. Does he leave everything and go after Elijah? Or does he keep plowing? What does he do? I wonder what you would have done in that moment. Imagine you're at work, you're, you're at the shop, you're at the farm, you're at home, whatever you do, you're, you're working away. Suddenly, this famous man of God who's been doing these amazing things for God walks in the room, throws his cloak over your shoulder and walks away. What would you do? Would you close up the shop, head out head after him? Would you, I don't know, pack up the milking machine and run out after him? Elijah, sorry, Elisha responds by saying, let me go kiss my mother and father goodbye and then I'm yours, I'm coming, let's go. I think there's some nervous excitement, but he's like, wow, let's go. This is crazy, but if you think so, let's do this. And he puts his trust in Elijah's judgment, his call for him to come follow him. And it's not until 2 Kings, chapter 2, the last couple of chapters of um, 1 Kings is sort of about the people of Israel and the end of Ahab's reign. And in 2 Kings, chapter 2, we see Elijah and Elisha. They're on a journey traveling to to Bethel and Elijah says, Elisha, stay here, I'm going on to this place. And Elisha's like, no way, I am not leaving your side. I think he's kind of like, you put your mantle on me, I ain't going anywhere. You called me and I'm, I'm coming. Sounds like a song we sang. And they're traveling to Bethel and they go on to Jericho and then they go on to the Jordan. And each time Elijah says, you stay here, I'm going to go on. And Elisha's like, no way, I'm coming with you. I'm not turning away. I'm following you. And then we see Elijah ask Elisha the very same question that we heard Jesus ask blind Bartimaeus just a couple of weeks ago. Elijah says to Elisha, what do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you, Elisha? And Elisha says to Elijah, "You're getting the shirt and the J and the keep it up." Elisha says to Elijah, "No, sorry, Elijah." <laughs> Elijah says to Elisha, "What do you want me to do?" Elisha says, "Would you give me a double portion of your spirit?" Now we need to understand. Elisha's not just being greedy; he doesn't want double of what Elijah has had. He's using inheritance language. He's saying, just like the firstborn son of a family would get a double, double portion inheritance. He's saying, let me carry on your ministry. Let me carry on what God has started in you. Give me a double portion. Let me, let me be the, the, the son of inheritance for you, Elijah. And then we see that Elijah's taken up into the clouds and there's a bit of conversation around that. But then we see Elisha. He goes out and he parts the water just like Elijah did, just in a few verses earlier. He bangs his cloak on the, the water, the water's part, and he walks through on dry ground. And some of the people see him and go, wow, that's not Elijah, that's Elisha. And then Elisha goes and the, the people of a town, he goes to say, we, we can't drink the water. What should we do? And he throws some flour in it and it becomes clean water. Then he prophesies to the king about how uh, God's going to lead them to defeat defeat the the Moabites. And it comes to pass. And Elisha begins to outwork this calling of God in his life. And that's just in the next chapter and a half that we see those things happen. We could talk about how Naaman was healed of leprosy. We could talk about the the oil. We could talk about uh, how he heals a, a, a dead person in the next chapter. But Elisha goes on, carrying on the ministry of Elijah. And maybe you're thinking, that's, that's really cool, Andrew. But what on earth has this got to do with me? <laughs> you might have heard the saying, where God guides, he provides. Has anyone heard that saying before? One person. You've all got, have you all got tight arms today? Or <laughs> a few people seen have heard that saying before. Where God guides, he provides. And I believe it to be true. Where God guides, He provides. The Bible talks about how when we, become, when we give our lives to Christ, when we become a follower of Jesus, He takes out our stony heart of sin and gives us a new heart with new and right desires. And throughout my life, as I've submitted my desires to God and said, God, this is my desire, but lead me in the way you want me to go. Take away this desire if it's not from you. Because to be honest we we all have selfish desires popping out at its little head at times saying oh let's chase after that let's go after that but as we submit our desires to god i believe he provides for the way he leads us and god's led me at different times in my life to do different things and i can uh, just a few things i thought of really quickly was going to Papua new guinea in 2001 i just felt god say andrew i want you to go so I gave everything I had financially to pay for the, the things I could to get to go on that trip, and God provided the rest. And I've got to say, the rest was a lot more than my, my everything. But God provided to, to, to do what He called me to do. Becoming a youth pastor, becoming a, a pastor after that, God has provided. I'd, I'd even say becoming a cyclist. God provided me to do this thing that I loved. He provided He's made it possible. You know, I, I was given my very first bike to to race on. I was like, wow, from a person I ha- didn't even really know. God provided the, the, the racing shoes with the special clip pedal things, you know, the, the cleats, they go click click and you, and you walk along the footpath going to get a coffee and you go, Where God guides, He provides. Church, our God is good. Do you believe that? He is good. He he doesn't lead you astray. He is not gonna lead you into things that destroy you. Our God is good. And church, he is able. It's not like he leads us into things. He's like, Andrew, this is good. You should do this. It's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. And it's like, oh, sorry, I hadn't thought about that bit. He hasn't forgotten about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. He understands what's going to happen. He is good and he is able and he is faithful. And the Bible says, even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. We stumble at times, we trip up, we mess up, and God, he doesn't shake his hands and say, no, I've had enough of you. He stays faithful even when we are unfaithful. That, That boggles my mind. God's grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. God honored Elijah. Sorry? He also honored Elisha. <laughs> My point is God honored Elisha. Elisha hears the call of Elijah, believing that this is God speaking through Elijah to him. He turns away from everything he has. He burns his plow, he slaughters his ox. He, he destroys his old life, you might almost say. He gives it up. He, it's gone. He's burnt it. But God honoured Elisha's faithful response to his call. I'm not sure if you've noticed in the past or even this morning the similarity of Elijah calling Elisha to Jesus' call of his disciples. I want to have a look for a moment at Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus calls some of the first disciples, it says in Matthew 4, verse 18, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing out a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. The call goes out and they say, we're coming. They, They drop their nets, they come follow him. They understand what it means to be called to be a disciple. Matthew 9 verse 9. Calling of Matthew or Levi, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. It's not just fishermen, it's the despised tax collector. Jesus said, Come, follow me. And they dropped what they were had, and they went and followed him. Jesus called his disciples, and now he is calling you. He is calling, Come, follow me. Come, be my disciple. To be a disciple, Jesus is saying, Come, learn to do what I do. Learn to be like me. And the most awesome thing is, you read Matthew 28, Jesus promised that I will be with you always. He sends his spirit to empower us, to lead us, and guide us, and, and empower us to be. More and more like Him every day. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. I know there's quite a few people that I've spoken to over the last couple of months that have been stirred to look at the book of Revelation. And I encourage you in that. It's a good thing to do, to read through the book of Revelation. have, Have some study guides and things to help you understand the things that, maybe at first you're going, what is this all about? but it it tells us we will be blessed if we read the book of Revelation and understand what it's saying to us. It warns us about those, uh, those in the church in the last days that will drift from their love for God. They will drift from their first love and they will love other things more than they love Him. It warns us about loving and chasing after sexual immorality. Chasing after false teachings, deeper truths, it says, that is really just false teaching. It warns us do not drift from this one sure thing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to the Father and except by Him. God is faithful, Jesus is the one sure thing is your trust in Him today. The greatest thing that's ever happened in my life, and I've had some awesome fun days doing different things and and, and enjoying awesome privileged things in my life, but the greatest thing that's ever happened is surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. I didn't even understand it at the time, but it gave me a joy that I could not express. And even though there's ups and downs and life isn't always wonderful, it's still challenging. It's the greatest thing you can ever do. It's the greatest thing you can ever know. Over the last few years, this world has been shaken. And maybe you are feeling shaken to the core right now, that you are feeling like you've been shaken and shaken and shaken, that you just feel like you don't even know which way is up anymore. I want to encourage you today that God is faithful. He is the solid rock and He will not change don't gamble on worldly comforts and pleasure don't try and find pleasure and and peace and and joy in things that will crumble and leave you broken and hurting turn to him turn to the one who is calling you come follow me what a privilege to know him and what a privilege. Let's think of Elisha. He could, have, he could have known God well and truly his whole entire life. He might have even said, you know what, Elijah, thanks for the call, but I like plowing this dirt. And he could have still loved life, enjoyed life with God, but he heard the call of God and said, I'm coming. I'm going to get involved with what you've called me to, God. And what a, what a privilege for us to be able to step into what God has called us to. This morning, I just feel like maybe there's some people here that you need to go home and not literally burn your plow. Your plow might be a very handy tool that you still need. But maybe there's some spiritual plows in your life that actually they're just like a big weight in the ground holding you back. Maybe there's some people here, you need to go home and burn the plow. You need to slaughter some ox. Anyone got any ox in the backyard? (laughs) Maybe on the... (laughs) I'm not talking about cattle, I'm not talking about farm equipment, but I'm talking about things in your life. Maybe there's sinful things, maybe there's things in your life, and you're sort of going, well, Andrew, it's not really sinful. It's just sort of this thing that, oh, yeah, I could burn it, an Andrew, but I don't know, it's kind of, I like it. I like it a lot. It's just I don't want to get rid of it. God, What have you got to lose? Jesus is the one sure thing. Give him your life. If God is stirring your heart to say, surrender that thing. Give it up to me. Give him your life. Hand it over. Let the ox be slaughtered. Let that plough be gone. Turn away from those things that would hold you back. I think it's great that God chose that Elisha was ploughing the ground and it was physically a thing that was dragging along, well, in front behind. I don't know. How did they plough back then? Anyway. Let's leave those things behind. Throw it off. Get rid of it. Maybe that's actually a physical thing you need to burn. Let's make a decision today. I'm following Jesus. I've heard his call. I'm coming. I'm not walking. I'm running. I didn't ask you to guys to sing that song. Good, good choice. Thank you, Lord. I asked the band to come. I just want to read one last passage in, in 1 Peter. Thank you, Lord. I always get excited when I look up at the clock and go, wow, I went shorter than I expected. That's it. I don't think anyone ever minds. It's, it's all good. 1 Peter chapter 1. Actually, because we've got time, I've just got to read one other little part. <laughs> In chapter 2, and you haven't got the verses up there, Charlie, but uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about newborn babies craving pure spiritual milk. He talks about being living stones that God is building together as his temple. He talks about Christ being the cornerstone. And he talks about how some people are stumbling over that cornerstone saying, how can he be the one? But he gets to verse 9 of chapter 2. He says, you are not like that. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are the people now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, some translations say aliens, aliens on this earth, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. It wants to pull you into desires that lead you astray from God. Worldly desires, those things that will drag you down. When I delete, We have an enemy who, who prowls around trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors then even if they accuse you of doing wrong they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to god when he judges the world now so let's just skip back to 1 peter 1 verse 3 to 7 all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ it is by his great mercy that we have been born again Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested. Did you hear that? It is being tested. As fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, Jesus is coming back and He's not coming as a baby. He's not coming just to tell people about the way to God, but He's coming as a righteous judge. And I pray that you will be ready. I pray that we will be ready to stand and just give glory to Him, to thank Him and praise Him. But church, let's lift up His name. Let's hear his call to go and tell the world about the one who loves him. The one who gave his life for us upon the cross, that we can be set free, have forgiveness and eternal life. Lord God, I just pray today that you would help us to hear your call. Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here today and they're hearing your call to your love and your call to surrender, I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us all right now just to surrender to you. Lord, for every single one of us today. Help us surrender again, Lord, to hand over our lives, to trust you with all things. God, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your unshakable nature. God, that you are the rock on which we stand. And Lord, I just pray that you would steady the ground for those who are feeling shaken today, that you would steady the things around them, that they can just get their bearings and, and stand again and walk with You, that they would run with You. God, I just thank You for Your encouragement for Your people today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I just really encourage you this morning as we sing this song. If you're feeling like, you know what, I've been shaking, God, but I'm surrendering to You, just to pray to God as we sing this song. And say, God, maybe you even want to lift your hands and surrender and say, God, I give You my life. Lord, take this shaking rumble of my life and let it be for Your glory. Let's stand and let's give Him praise as He deserves. Thanks, guys.